Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at RayaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. And use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game changers. All right, everyone, welcome to Tennis Tuesday here on Holding Court. I'm using this new voice recorder on my phone, so I apologize if the quality is not quite as good as we're used to as I left my little chip that I use for my Rodecaster Pro, which is an unbelievable machine. I take it with me everywhere to record. I left it uh, back at my home house. I'm out at my little summer cottage here teaching some tennis and chilling and actually doing this on actually on Tuesday. I normally try to record these late Monday or Monday evening so that I can have them out to you first thing Tuesday morning. But I'd like to say, you know, I was waiting to see the Olympic results overnight. But the truth is, I just didn't feel like doing it last night. I was hanging with my wife, one of my daughters, just kind of enjoying a chill night. So I just took it off and then lo and behold, what happens? Overnight, I wake up, check my phone, and what has happened? A huge upset at the Olympic Games. Naomi Osaka is out uh, to Vandrusova, who you remember a couple years ago made the finals of the French Open. So she she can play. Uh, I'm going to be honest with everyone because that's the only way I know how to be on this podcast. That's why I do it because it's unfiltered. I haven't seen a point of the Olympics live. I've seen some of the replays. Actually, let me correct that. I saw three points last night, uh, sort of late into the NBC broadcast of Sitsipas and Tiafo. my buddy Mike Tirico, of course, who's awesome, who's hosting the Olympics now for NBC. Uh, I say he's my buddy. Well, we worked together at ESPN for a couple of years at Wimbledon at the US Open. He, not only is he a great person, a great guy, but an incredible broadcaster. So anyway, he was hosting. He was doing a little around the Olympics deal. And he you know, checked in on the tennis, which was happening live uh, at Ariaka Tennis Stadium, where I played years and years ago. When That was actually one of the first places that had a roof over it, that built a roof. And uh, I guess they played some of the matches with the roof closed as they had some weather situations uh, in Tokyo, which I saw helped the surfing competition as I guess there was a typhoon sort of coming into the area. So the waves were good. Not great for outdoor tennis, but with the roof, they were able to continue some of the matches, one of which I believe was the Osaka loss to Vandrusova. Apparently she got off to a very slow start, lost the first four games, uh, got into it a bit, actually had some chances in the second set uh, I believe had some break points at three all, or maybe it was four all. Um, Von Drusova apparently was playing a lot of those short drop shots, taking Osaka out of her comfort zone on the baseline. Naomi made a lot of mistakes. Initially, post-match, she wasn't going to speak to the press, but then I guess she came out uh, shortly thereafter. I don't know the details of how it went down, but apparently she came out and spoke to a small group of reporters, which, by the way, is what they should have done at the French Open. OK, but that's another topic for another day. But trust me, we will get into that at some point again. So Osaka came out and said, 
and was like she's always is like she always is very honest, very open. I was extremely nervous. The pressure got to me. Remember, she lit the the, the flame at the Olympics for Japan to open these uh, 2020-2021 Tokyo Olympics. So you know, even without the crowds there, which certainly has hampered the Olympics in general, but big time hampered the interest in tennis. Uh, with no, you know, especially after we came off Wimbledon, where we had full capacity crowds on center court for this, most of the second week. Uh, the vibe is just, uh, it's not happening. I mean, let's be honest. Now, I did tweet out to my uh, loyal followers yesterday, do you like tennis in the Olympics? Got a lot of interesting responses. Some people could care less about tennis in the Olympics. A lot of you actually like tennis in the Olympics. If you know the history, of course, of tennis was not even in the Olympics throughout most of the 20th century, then came back as a demonstration sport in 84, uh, and then it became a full-fledged Olympic sport in 88, uh, which I believe were the Atlanta Games when Agassi won. Remember, Agassi was going, was that Agassi? I think it was, going through a tough part in his career. And winning the Olympics, he still says today, uh, was one of the biggest things he ever accomplished. So there are people who say, and a people, a few of you said to me on Twitter, oh, no, tennis is for amateurs. Uh, I mean, the Olympics are for amateurs, and I want to see the athletes from the other sports that don't get much attention get the attention. Now, the latter part of that statement, I agree with. But if you think that Simone Biles, who I saw just uh, had an injury, so she had to pull out of the team event. I don't know much about a, a gymnastics, but I know that's a huge story. Uh, these are the best athletes in the world in their sport. So tennis, I'm glad it's back in the Olympics. It doesn't have the same cachet as swimming and as gymnastics. And certainly once we get to the track and field, to the sprints and, and, and the races, but it's good for the sport globally to be in the Olympics. Uh, you're seeing it would be a, a whole lot better, obviously, if there were fans there. I still believe, and I've said this many times, and, and maybe I should actually sit down and come up with an actual team structure that would work for the Olympics. Because the, the actually the events that get, get me going more than anything are the doubles and the mixed doubles. Because you feel the vibe of the players really playing as a team and for their country. Uh, of course, it's extremely meaningful. If you talk to players that have won gold medals, Elena Dementieva, remember her? She won the gold for Russia. She never won a major, although she was very close a couple of times. Uh, that's probably as big for her and, and in her country as winning a major would be. Uh, obviously, if you're a sort of a traditional tennis fan or person, you know, winning Wimbledon or the U.S. Open, I mean, I get it. Those are sort of bigger uh, in, in a lot of people's minds than winning, uh, winning an Olympic medal, Olympic gold medal. But I mean, look, Djokovic is there to try to win the gold. He's, he's never won, won it before. He's been extremely disappointed. Murray's won the last two gold medals. He pulled out of the singles because of a leg issue, though he's still in the doubles with Joe Salisbury. Uh, who's a very good doubles player from uh, Great Britain. So I like the doubles part of it when you see them playing together. Mixed doubles when, I mean, players are going all out. Remember when Nadal won the doubles in the Olympics, what was in Rio, I believe it was? I mean, he was so fired up to win that medal. Same like Federer, remember? He won the doubles in uh, with Wawrinka for Switzerland, the gold, and then came to the U.S. Open and, and, and I believe won. I think that was 2008. I believe it was 2008. 
so Federer has never won a gold in singles, uh, but cherishes that gold. So I, I think for the for the growth of the sport, for the smaller countries, uh, those countries once tennis came back into the Olympics, you know the federations of those countries and and maybe even the Olympic. I don't know how they divvy up the Olympic money, but certainly they give money to you know those countries get some funds. Uh, depending on if those sports are in the Olympics or not. So certainly China, when tennis became an Olympic sport, you know, they've put a, a massive amount of money in, into growing tennis. And you've seen the benefits of it, particularly on the women's side. They still haven't had uh, a really a top male player, but they have the facilities there. They have big events there. They have obviously some of the Masters events there. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, it's good. I said to my daughter, my daughter is becoming like my go-to person because she's a 15-year-old into tennis. And I said, um, should tennis be in the Olympics? She said, well, of course it should. It's the best athletes in the world. Well, there you go. So leave it to a 15-year-old to sort of sum it up. This episode is being brought to you by Raya Eyewear. Over the last few years, a growing concern of mine has been the long-term effects of overexposure to UV rays from my extended time on court in the sun, you know, following that little yellow ball all over the globe. Well, I was also just tired of squinting on sunny days, but my fear was always that wearing sunglasses to protect my eyes would affect the way I hit the ball. Well, last year, especially during the pandemic last summer, I came across Raya, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Raya is changing the way tennis players see the game and protect their most important performance asset, their vision. All of their eyewear is handcrafted in Italy and built specifically to enhance ball contrast and provide protection from those harmful UV rays. There's no question that they help me see the ball better, they relax my eyes in the sun, and they've become an essential part of my tennis experience. Check them out at RiaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. Use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. I promise you will love these sunglasses. This episode of Holding Court is being brought to you by True. That's T-R-U, the lifestyle beverage. Absolutely amazing. Go to drinktrue.com to learn more. I suggest you try out the True Sampler, 30% off with the code PATRICK. You know, it started to turn, right, when when we had the dream team in basketball in the mid-'80s when they started putting our best, our best, the United States' best basketball players uh, on the Olympic team. Because before that, you know, you'd send college players, and they were good enough to, to, to win the gold. Well, that's starting to change, and, and you're just seeing even the U.S. team here lost to France Uh in their first game, I'm assuming they're still going to be able to uh, reach the medal, you know, the knockout round, whatever they call it, the medal round, even with the one loss. So you would imagine, I guess, some of the players just flown in the day before because of the NBA season uh, going long. So you you would assume that the basketball team will get it together. Women, of course, won. I think they won something like 51 straight games. But the point is that the Europe, some of the European countries are getting better in basketball. Okay, you had the MVP of the uh, NBA coming from Serbia. So all of a sudden you start to get like three or four players at that level from those countries. Um, it's not going to be a cakewalk, okay, for the United States to continue to dominate Olympic or you know world basketball in the same way that we always have because the other countries are starting to catch up, uh, which is they've not only caught up, they've way passed us when it comes to men's tennis. So uh, you've got Djokovic looking extremely good. 
uh, in the men's draw. He's through to the third round. Let me check. It was like so hard to find the draw. So I finally went to the uh, ITF website. So uh, the women are now into the quarters. So let me just see who we got here. Vondrusova over Osaka. So now she will play. Come on, computer. Show me what we got here. So freaking slow. Uh, Swiatek lost, and I guess she was in tears after her loss um, in her match. I keep thinking that she's going to win another one, but at the moment, she's not quite getting it done. Okay, Vandrusova plays Bedosa, who is who beat Swiatek. She's tough from Spain, um, so that's one quarter. Then you've got Svitolina. Maybe it's her time. She beats Sakari, which is a huge win. Georgie over Pliskova, so it'll be Svitolina against Georgie. I would sort of go Svitolina in that one. I guess Muguruza, you got to put as the favorite at the moment. Uh, she takes on Ribikina in the quarters. Uh, and then the other quarters, Benchich against Pavlichenkova. Well, maybe she makes it. She took out Cerebus Torbo, remember, who had beaten Ash Barty, who was the top seed. Not a surprise coming off her big win at Wimbledon that she had a little bit of a letdown. Uh, so that's the women's quarterfinals. Like most of the majors at the moment, I mean, it's almost a crapshoot who could win this, Pavlichenkova, Benchich. But whomever wins it, especially from, for those players from those countries, absolutely massive. Okay, well, let me check the men's draw right here, men's singles. So Djokovic against Davidovic Fokina. That'll be coming up, third round match. Winner of that plays Ivashka or Nishikori. Nishikori with the hometown vibe. He beat Marcos Giron, one of the Americans in the field. A lot of the top Americans electing not to go. A lot of the top players in general electing not to go for the, you know, the bubble situation, traveling all over the world. Uh, you've got the big hardcore season coming up in the U.S. So you've got Nadal coming to Washington, D.C. Uh, he's probably there momentarily in the next couple of days as he's going to play that, which I'm told that they're totally sold out for the entire week. Once Nadal said he was playing. I may even be making a guest appearance there. We shall see. Zverev against Basilashvili. That's another third round match. This is in the same half of the draw as Djokovic. So likely it would be Zverev against Djokovic in the semis, which would be a big match because Zverev has beaten him before and certainly two out of three, medium fast conditions on hard. Got a shot. Not the favorite, got a shot. Bottom half, Schwartzman, Hatchinoff. Kind of a pick a match. Um, kind of depends to me on the conditions. I'd probably lean Schwartzman, but tight. Hatchinoff had a good Wimbledon. Solid Umber, the talented young Frenchman against Sitsipas. That got some shot making in that match. I like Sitsipas to get through that. Remember, this is in the bottom half. So then you've got Sitsipas. Then you've got Kepfer, Karenia Busta, probably Karenia Busta there. In the third round, winner of that to play Fonini, Medvedev. You got to lean Medvedev in that one. Probably, if, if it goes by the seeds, which it normally does, not normally, but most of the time, Medvedev sits a pass semi. That's a big time. I mean, that's a huge pressure. Remember, that semifinal match to get into the gold medal match. So ideally, you're going to see Djokovic as rare. I mean, ideally from matchups and so on. I'm not going to, I'm not uh, saying don't let these other guys get in. They, they get in, that's huge for them. But those would be the best matchups and Medvedev and Tsitsipas to play likely Djokovic for the gold medal. Uh, doubles, I got to take a quick peek because I'm like intrigued by the doubles. Men's doubles, let's see who we got. Mektic Pavic from Croatia, saw them at Wimbledon. 
McLaughlin, Nisha, Corey. They're in the quarters. Okay, that's interesting. Sandgren and Krychek. How about that? The American duo had a win, so they're still in. They play Struff and Zverev. And then you've got Danielle and Venus from New Zealand. Imagine New Zealand winning a medal. That would be massive in tennis, okay? So for these guys in this country, Cabal and Farah would also be massive for Colombia. I remember when I did the Wimbledon final when they won the first ever major for the country. I mean, it was huge. Chilich, Dodig, dangerous. Dodig's a great doubles player. Chilich, we know about him. Murray and Salisbury. So this is what I like about the doubles. I like the top singles guys they're playing, and they're playing with like double specialists. So though that vibe is super cool, and I love watching that. That's why I love the doubles. We need like a double, we need like a team type format. Somebody please let me know what the best team type format where you could still have individuals get medals. A little bit like in gymnastics where there's like a team competition, and then individuals can also win golds in their, you know, different pole vault with pole or whatever they do you know the, the floor exercises so they can also win individual goal we got to figure this out in tennis uh let me take a look at the women's doubles see if we have any american teams in there krajikova siniakova they got to be the favorites they're the quarters barty and sanders so there you got barty number one they were playing with sanders who's basically you know lower level singles player good in doubles interesting Kurumatova Vesnina, I did a couple of their matches at Wimbledon. They're, they're exciting. They're from Russia. They're taking on the Ukrainian team. I don't know these girls too well. They must be sisters. Kitchenok and Kit, Kitchenok. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. And then um, Stefani and Pugosi from Brazil. Okay, Maddox Sands and Pagula still in. Perez and Stoser from Australia. Benchich Golovich. So for those, for these, this is massive. Okay, now my favorite is the mixed. So I'm going to check the mix out. I love the mixed doubles because that is so interesting. Oh, they just even, they haven't even started. All right, they're still in the first round. By the way, I heard Djokovic is playing. So they're in the first round. You get Ram and Maddox Sands. Remember Ram won one with Venus, I believe it was, at the last Olympics. I'm just scrolling down. I'm not going to go through the whole draw because they haven't even started yet. Sakari Sitsipas. Now that's a fun team, right? Barty Piers, Barty obviously playing. Piers, great doubles player. Rublev Pavlichenkova. Where's Djokovic? Oh, here. Djokovic Stojanovic taking on Mello and Stefani. Marcelo Mello, great doubles player. So that will be, so that to me, like I'm more interested in that because I, I know I'm going to see Djokovic at the Open and all these other guys, Medvedev and Sitsipath. This is what I love about the Olympics. And this is what I feel that we in the, in the tennis world need more of, need to make to differentiate the Olympics. Anything else that's going on. So that's my little snippet right here, my little Olympic uh, overview. Uh, thank you for all your comments. Uh, most people like me. I mean, I put it on, I go to NBC, all the stations, I see it's on the Olympic channel. I'm like, no, I'm not getting that. I got Peacock for the French Open, because I had to watch that. And this one, I have to be honest, I haven't watched it live except when my buddy Mike Tirico put it on. So I'm following it, but I'm just being honest with you because that's always what I'm going to be here on Holding Court, particularly on Tennis Tuesday. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.